says, I want us to be filled with the grace of God to receive the rich bounty of his blessings. Now all of God's blessings are for the purpose of restoring in man the image of God, which is none other than the character of Christ, who is himself the most blessed and the consummation of all the blessings of God. But in order to obtain God's blessings, we need to understand them and desire them. So what do we consider to be God's blessings? Is it health? Is it prosperity? Is it peace? Is it fun? Is it talents? Or maybe safety? Are these God's blessings? Or could they be the blessings from the prince of this world? Ezekiel 16.49 Behold, this was the iniquity of thy sister Sodom, pride, fullness of bread, and abundance of idleness. Fullness of bread, is that a blessing? Matthew 4, 8-9, again, the devil taketh him up into exceeding high mountain, showeth him all the kingdoms of this world, and the glory of them, and saith unto him, All these things will I give thee, if thou wilt fall down and worship me. Many today have confused Baal with Jehovah. And they happily worship the prince of this world to enjoy his blessings, thinking they are blessed of God. Isaiah 55, 8 says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways. Like the Jews, many today believe that health, prosperity, social standing, being talented is proof that God is pleased with them. But is that really what Jesus taught? Luke 6, 24 to 26, he says, But woe unto you that are rich, for you have received your consolation. Woe unto you that are full, for you shall hunger. Woe unto you that laugh now, for ye shall mourn and weep. Woe unto you when all men shall speak well of you, for so did their fathers to the false prophets. Matthew 18.8 Jesus said it is better to enter into life maimed rather than having two hands or two feet be cast into everlasting fire. Success, prosperity in this world is no evidence of the blessing of God. In fact, in the psalm, Psalm 73, it's a psalm of Asaph, verses 1 to 7, he says, Truly, God is good to Israel, even to such as are as of a clean heart. But as for me, my feet were almost gone, my steps had well nigh slipped, for I was envious at the foolish when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. For there are no bands in their death, but their strength is firm. They are not in trouble as are other men, neither are they plagued like other men. Therefore pride compasseth them about as a chain. Their eyes stand out with fatness. They have more than heart could wish. Verse 12. These are the ungodly who prosper in the world. They increase in riches. 
and verses 13 to 22. Verily I have cleansed my heart in vain and washed my hands in innocency. For all the day long I have been plagued and chastened every morning. If I say, I will speak thus, behold, I should offend against the generation of thy children. And when I thought to know this, it was too painful for me. Until I went into the sanctuary of God, then I understood their end. Surely thou didst set them in slippery places. Thou cast them down into destruction. How are they brought into desolation? As in a moment, they are utterly consumed with terrors. As a dream when one awaketh, O Lord, when thou awakest, thou shalt despise the image. Thus my heart was grieved and I was pricked in my reins. So foolish was I and ignorant. I was as a beast before thee. Is it possible that temporal blessings are actually God's curse to the wicked? Proverbs 3.33 The curse of the Lord is in the house of the wicked, but he blesseth the habitation of the just. Is it possible that God's blessing unto the righteous is considered a curse by the wicked? Matthew 5.11 Blessed are ye when all men shall revile you and persecute you. Isaiah 48.10 Behold, I have refined thee, but not with silver. I have rechosen thee in the furnace of affliction. Do you think that the carnally minded actually desire God's blessings? Is it possible to have God's blessings and not recognise them? So, did God bless Jacob after wrestling with him when he dislocated Jacob's thigh? Was Paul blessed when he was blinded on the way to Damascus? Was Naaman blessed when he became a leper? Was Joseph blessed when he was sold as a slave? Now, I'm not saying that all prosperity is a curse and all misfortune is God's special blessing to us. Because, you know, Matthew 5, 45, Jesus said that he maketh his sunshine rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the just and the unjust. And Ecclesiastes 9.11 says that time and chance happeneth to them all. And the evil that's in this world is in no way God's doing, but he can and does often overrule it turning it into a blessing for his people. As Romans 8.28 says, For all things work together for good to those, who, to those who are called according to his purpose. Now, this overruled evil may be a vehicle that God uses to bring us his blessing. The evil in itself isn't the blessing. What are God's blessings? Well, Ephesians 1.3 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places. So the special blessings that God gives his people are not temporal in nature. They're spiritual in nature. What are they? When it says that God's blessings are primarily spiritual, it's not talking about the means by which the blessing is obtained, but the outcome of the blessing. Often it's by some means of some evil event or evil condition that the blessing is obtained. For example, as we said, Naaman, Paul, 
you know, the, the evil that overtook them was the vehicle for the blessing to be realised. And God uses affliction as an, a means to bring us his blessings. But I'm not so much interested in the means or the vehicle by which he brings us the blessings, but in the blessings themselves. Now, the best way to understand them is by looking at Jacob and Esau. You see, Esau didn't really care about spiritual blessings. He only cared about the material blessings of this world. He lived for the here and now. Since Esau despised God's blessing, he lost the blessing to Jacob, who cherished the blessing. And we see that as soon as Jacob inherited the blessing, he began to enjoy it by being forced to flee his home. When he lay down to sleep at that night, alone in the wilderness, never to see his mother again, using stones for pillows, he was a very discouraged and disappointed man. He seemed forsaken of God and wondered whether he was really being blessed or if he was now cursed. Genesis 28.12 says, And he dreamed and beheld a ladder set up on the earth, and the top of it reached to heaven, and behold, the angels of God ascending and descending on it. Jacob's affliction was the means of God blessing him. Through the dream, God revealed to him the hidden secret of obtaining righteousness. He had indeed begun to enjoy the blessing of God. See, the latter represents not just Christ the person, but Christ's own step-by-step -step experience of learning obedience by the things which he suffered. A character which all must share if they would enter heaven and sit with him on his throne. Manuscript releases volume 19 page 341 says truth is an active working principle molding the heart and life so that there is a constant upward movement climbing the ladder that Jacob saw to the Lord above the ladder in every step of climbing the will is obtaining a new spring of action the moral tone is becoming more like the mind and character of Christ we're going to look at this later. Jacob's dream was an assurance to him that angels of God would attend to him as he took each additional step up the ladder. So as he was fleeing his home, he was experiencing the first step of the ladder. The first of many such blessings that he must take if he would enter heaven. Mount of Blessing, page 12, but when tribulation comes upon us, how many of us are like Jacob? We think it the hand of an enemy. And in the darkness we wrestle blindly until our strength is spent and we find no comfort or deliverance. The trials of life are God's workmen to remove the impurities and roughness from our character. Their hewing, squaring and chiselling, their burnishing and polishing is a painful process. It is hard to be pressed down to the grinding wheel, but the stone is brought forth prepared to fill its place in the heavenly temple. Now let's consider the runs of this ladder of God's blessings. It is a ladder that Christ has climbed. He knows each run by his own experience. It describes the character of all that will enter heaven and that they must obtain. He calls us to climb it with him to obtain rung after rung. And we read in Matthew 5, 1, 
and he opened his mouth and taught them saying blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven who are the poor in spirit do you think Jacob was poor in spirit that night Jesus made it clear who these are in the parable of the Pharisee and the publican the Pharisee was sure that he had God's blessings, but he was devoid of them. The publican was sure that he was not worthy to even approach God, which proved that he was full of God's blessing. See, the blessings of the prince of this world make you feel rich and self-sufficient. Thou sayest, I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing. And knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. The very first rung of Jacob's ladder, the very first blessing that God gives us is to make us doubt and fear for our eternal life. It makes us distrustful of self. Aware of our insufficiency it makes us realise our spiritual poverty and need. Luke 5.8 And when Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. And Isaiah said in 6.5 Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips. And I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. And Job in 42.5-6 says, I have heard thee by the hearing of thine ears. But now mine eye seeth thee, wherefore I abhor myself and repent in dust and ashes. All these were experiencing the first blessing, the first run of Jacob's ladder. Being poor in spirit is the beginning of the work of God in the soul. Mount of Blessings, page 8. His subjects are the poor in spirit, the meek the persecuted for righteousness' sake. The kingdom of heaven is theirs, though not yet fully accomplished. The work is begun in them, which will make them meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. They've taken the first step. Only those that continue to be poor in spirit will desire and receive more of God's blessings. Those who are satisfied with what they have received will not obtain any more. Attaining the first step in the ladder is not enough unless we reach the topmost rung. The first attainment is of no value. Christ can only complete the work begun as we continue to realise our poverty and seek for his blessings every hour of every day. The publican and those in Laodicea are self-deceived. They have been anaesthetised by Satan's blessings. They do not feel poor in the spirit, but feel rich in spiritual blessings, which proves that they are destitute of the Holy Spirit. Because realising our own spiritual poverty is the evidence of the work of the Holy Spirit in us. Self-satisfied, they refuse to hear his voice and refuse to be convicted of their spiritual poverty. Mount of Blessings, page 7 he who feels whole, who thinks that he is reasonably good and is contented with his condition, does not seek to become a partaker of the grace and righteousness of Christ. Pride feels no need, 
And so it closes the heart against Christ, the infinite blessings he came to give. There's no room for Jesus in the heart of such a person. Those who are rich and honourable in their own eyes do not ask in faith and do not receive the blessing of God. They feel that they are full, therefore they go away empty. Those who know that they cannot possibly save themselves or of themselves do any righteous action are the ones who appreciate the help that Christ can bestow. They are poor in spirit, whom he declares to be blessed, whom Christ pardons, he first makes penitent. And it is the office of the Holy Spirit to convince of sin. Those whose hearts have been moved by the convincing Spirit of God see that there is nothing good in themselves. They see that all they have ever done is mingled with self and sin. Like the poor publican, they stand afar off, daring not to lift up so much as their eyes to heaven and cry, God, be merciful to me, the sinner. And they are blessed. Those who are imitating Christ will be poor in spirit, as he was. Realising his own desperate need, Christ spent entire nights in prayer and would wake early in the morning to plead for God's blessings, that God give him words to speak, to direct where he should go, and to teach him what to do. As a man, he supplicated the throne of God until his humanity was charged with a heavenly current that should connect humanity with divinity. Through continual communion, he received life from God that he might impart life to the world. His experience is to be ours, Desire of Ages 363. Are you poor in spirit? Those who are poor in spirit are ready to obtain the next blessing of God. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. James 4, 9-10 Be afflicted and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned into mourning and your joy into heaviness. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he shall lift you up. Why are we to mourn? Youth instruction. Um, 15th of February 1894. They need to experience genuine repentance for sin. What have they to mourn over? They should mourn over their inclination to sin, over the danger they are in from inward corruption and from outward temptation. They should be afraid because they have so feeble a sense of the sinfulness of sin and so little idea of what constitutes sin. Mount of Blessing, it says, The mourning here brought to view is true heart sorrow for sin. The problem is that we are blind. If we could see ourselves as God sees us, we would be afflicted and mourn as well. We would weep over our woeful spiritual condition instead of thinking that we're not too bad. Review and Herald, 1884, 20th of May. We do not see ourselves as God sees us, therefore we do not feel the necessity of repentance, of humility and continual reliance on him. This mourning, like that of a woman in travail, is mourning that brings forth a new birth, a new life, a new character. This kind of mourning brings forth Christ instead of self. We read in 
Alan G. White's writing called, uh, in a journal called Advance in um, 1899, 1st of March. Everyone who would follow Christ truly will be filled with sorrow and repentance when he realises that he has brought self to the front instead of Christ. He will regret that he has not been full of mercy and good fruits, and that he has boasted and talked much, but failed to reveal the divine character to the world. Those that are not mourning over the fact that self is seen in them instead of Christ will never progress to the next rung of the ladder. Testimonies, volume 5, page 212. The class who do not feel grieved over their own spiritual declension nor mourn over the sins of others will be left without the seal of God. The mourning that Jesus says is blessed leads to putting away self so that Christ can appear. 2 Corinthians 7.10 For godly sorrow worketh repentance to salvation not to be repented of, but the sorrow of the world worketh death. Review and Herald, 1906, um, 8th of February, Godly sorrow worketh repentance. True repentance can never be mistaken. It bears fruit that testifies to its own genuineness. What is that fruit? She continues, self is subdued, Christ is magnified. Signs of the Times, July 29, 1889, we are to ascend the ladder that Jacob saw. Not by our own strength alone, it is the goodness of God that leads to repentance and reformation. And in Reveal and Herald, uh, 5th of October 1886, the true follower of Christ will make no boastful claims to holiness. He sees his own sinfulness in contrast with the perfect righteousness which it enjoins, and it leads him to humility and repentance. As he continues to walk with him, he will be gaining a clearer sense of the holiness of God's character and the far-reaching nature of his promise. He will see more clearly his own defects and feel the need of continual repentance. This blessed morning is the evidence that the Holy Spirit is working in our lives. The Paulson Collection, page 65, says, Who but the Holy Spirit produces godly sorrow, which worketh repentance, and inspires the exercise of faith in him who alone can save from all sin? Repentance for sin is the first fruits of the working of the Holy Spirit in the life. In the last days, as the work of the heavenly sanctuary is ending, there is to be a special work of mourning among God's people. Great Controversy, page 11. In view of that great day, the Word of God in the most solemn and impressive language calls upon His people to arouse from their spiritual lethargy and to seek His face with repentance and humiliation. Let the bridegroom go forth of his chamber and the bride out of a closet. Let the priest, the minister of the Lord, weep before the porch of the altar. Turn ye even to me with all your heart and with fasting and with weeping and with mourning and rent your heart and not your garments and turn unto the Lord your God. How to obtain this blessing of mourning? Review and Herald, 1st of April 1890, a repentance such as this lies beyond the reach of our own powers to accomplish. It is obtained only from Christ who ascended on high and give, has given gifts unto men. No soul can repent without the grace of Christ. The sinner may pray that he may know how to repent. 
And 1888 materials, page 1349, says, While mercy still lingers, go to God for repentance. Seek him night and day, never relaxing your efforts. See, Jesus didn't just mourn over the sins of others, but in taking sinful flesh and becoming sin for us, he mourned over himself, who had become sin. He mourned over the depravity of his own flesh. He knows what true repentance is. Not from sin, but from self. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Are you mourning over your iniquity? Are you sighing and crying over your own spiritual condition? Or will she be right, mate? Those that realise their spiritual poverty and mourn over themselves are becoming Christ-like. They are ready to obtain the next blessing of God. They are ready to climb the next rung of the ladder. Jesus said, Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Amount of Blessings, page 14, says, Throughout the Beatitudes there is an advancing line of Christian experience. Those who have felt their need of Christ and who have mourned because of sin and have sat with Christ in the school of affliction will learn meekness from the divine teacher. What is meekness? Dictionaries define meekness the following way. The Merriam-Webster says, Enduring injury with patience and without resentment. Collins says, Humbly patient or quiet in nature under provocation from from others. Being meek is not defending self or justifying self when self is under attack. This describes the character of Moses, who we are told was the meekest man on the earth. In Numbers 12, verses 1 to 4, when Miriam and Aaron spake against Moses, and the Lord heard it, And it says, Now the man Moses was very meek above all the men that were upon the face of the earth. You see, Moses didn't complain to God about it, nor seek God to defend it. He just left it up to God. Those that are meek prefer to suffer affliction than to defend self. Meekness is selflessness. It is characteristic of all those that have together with Christ died to self. As Jesus emptied himself, as says in Mount of Blessing, page 15, and in all that he did, self did not appear. Peter, before his conversion, was not meek. He was constantly seeking the highest place and defending himself. After his conversion, he no longer defended himself and was happy to take the lowest place. Those that are meek have let go of self. Mount of Blessings, page 17 again. It is through self-abnegation that Christ redeemed what was lost. And he says that we are to overcome as he did. Through humility and self-surrender we may become heirs with him when the meek shall inherit the earth. Jacob obtained this blessing. Reading Education, page 147, Jacob had power over the angel and prevailed, and he blessed him there. He had gained not merely deliverance from his outraged brother, but deliverance from himself. 
the power of evil in his own nature was broken. His character was transformed. Have we obtained this blessing? This is not an easy blessing to obtain. Steps of Christ, page 23, the warfare against self is the greatest battle that was ever fought. The yielding of self, surrendering all to the will of God, requires a struggle. But the soul must submit to God before it can be renewed in holiness. Now in the great and terrible day of the Lord, only the meek will be saved. doesn't matter what you believe. doesn't matter what you do. Zephaniah 2.3 Seek ye the Lord, all ye meek of the earth, which have wrought his judgment. Seek righteousness, seek meekness. It may be ye shall be hid in the day of the Lord's anger. Psalm 76.9 When God arose the judgment to save all the meek of the earth. Psalms 37.11 But the meek shall inherit the earth and shall delight themselves. And Psalms 149.4 For God takes pleasure in his people. He will beautify the meek with salvation. To be Christ-like is to be meek. For he said, Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly of heart, and you shall find rest for your soul. Only those that recognise their spiritual poverty and mourn over their own sinfulness in deep repentance can obtain true meekness. Together with Christ, they know that self must die if there is to be any hope for their souls. They seek to completely replace self with Christ, and those who do this will inherit the earth. And they are ready to receive the next blessing. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. What does it mean to hunger and thirst after righteousness? Story of Jesus, page 61. We hunger and thirst after righteousness when we want to have all our thoughts, our words, our actions like Christ's. Only, only those who are dissatisfied with their faith and with their good works will obtain righteousness. The trouble lies with ourself, it says in Sermons and Talks, Volume 2, page 2. It is our iniquities which have separated us from God. It is because we do not feel our need, because we do not hunger and thirst after righteousness, that we are not filled. Only those who seek the water of life at the loss of everything else will be filled. Great Controversy 540. I will give unto him that is a thirst of the fountain of water of life freely. This promise is only to those that thirst. None but those who feel their need of the water of life and seek it at the loss of all things else will be supplied. And it says in Youth Instruction, uh, 1st of July, 1856, The promise is to those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, they shall be filled. Blessed promise. We can have righteousness if we hunger and thirst for it. And those who really hunger and thirst will often be found pleading before God. A mere desire will not obtain the blessing. Those who would attain it must wrestle in prayer. And by faith claim the sweet promise, they shall be filled. 
and in Signs of the Times, 5th of September, 1895. Those who experience soul hunger are to be blessed with satisfaction. Their earnest, prayerful struggles will not be in vain, for there is no failure with God. We are to believe that a rich satisfaction awaits us. He who is truth says that those who hunger and thirst after righteousness shall be filled. It is for us to comply with the condition upon which the promise is to be filled. We are to come to God with a contrite spirit. And as soon as we seek him in earnest, he will fill us. Ask, and you shall be given. You seek, and you shall find. The problem is that we stop asking. We stop seeking. This blessing of being filled with righteousness is also especially for the last days. As we read before in Zephaniah 2.3, to seek righteousness that we may be hid in the days of the Lord's anger. Now is the time to obtain this blessed hunger and this blessed thirsting and mourning. Not tomorrow, but now, because soon it will be too late. Jesus said in Luke 6.21, Blessed are ye that hunger now, for ye shall be filled. Blessed are ye that weep now, for ye shall laugh. Verse 25, But woe unto you that are full, for ye shall hunger. And woe unto you that laugh now, for ye shall mourn and weep. As Amos says in chapter 8, 11 to 13, In that day I will send a famine in the land, not a famine for bread nor thirst for water, but of hearing the words of the Lord. And they shall wander from sea to sea and from north even to the east, and they shall run to and fro and seek the word of the Lord, and shall not find it. In that day shall the fair virgins faint for thirst. And we're reminded of the five foolish virgins. We cannot fill the emptiness of our soul with the righteousness of Christ unless we have first been emptied of self and become meek. We cannot attain the meekness unless we experience that deep repentance which comes by mourning over the utter destitution of our souls. We cannot mourn over our spiritual destitution unless the Holy Spirit first convicts us of our true condition we will obtain none of these blessings we will make no advance unless we plead for it with an unrelenting faith that alone obtains the blessing but those who do are ready to climb up onto the next rung of Jacob's ladder blessed are the merciful for they shall obtain mercy what does that mean? story of Jesus, page 61. To be merciful is to treat others better than they deserve. So God has treated us. He delights to show mercy. He is kind to the unthankful and to the evil. As Jesus said in Matthew 5.44, Love your enemies and bless them that curse you, and do good to them that hate you. You see, those who have so far climbed Jacob's ladder and have claimed the promise of the kingdom and have been comforted. They have renounced self and are counted as heirs of Christ. And through faith are seeking to be filled with his righteousness. 
They do not think themselves to have attained the blessings, like Paul in Philippians 3.12, but pursue after the blessings through faith by claiming the promises, hoping only in the mercy of God. They see that they are no better than the lost, except that they recognise their own desperate need. That is the only difference. They see in others a picture of themselves as they once were, blind to their own spiritual poverty, ignorant of the only means by which redemption can be attained, slaves to the tyranny of self, yet rejoicing that they are rich in the knowledge and blessings of God. Satisfied with a formal religion of intellectual assent and works and offerings that is powerless to obtain righteousness. They seek life but are following death. They worship Baal while thinking they worship Jehovah. They have no understanding and unless God awakens them from their self-deception, their case is hopeless. Those who are partaking of God's blessings, whose hearts are moved by the Holy Spirit, look with pity on those that are destitute of those blessings. They understand that these cannot escape the tyranny of self. They cannot do the good that they would, but do the evil that they would not. Romans 7.19 God's blessed do not condemn these ones, but show them the same compassion and mercy that they themselves have received from God hoping that these blind ones will also recognise their need and come out of darkness into the glorious light. You see, the merciful do not think that they are in any way superior to those that are in darkness, but they treat them as they would be treated. Accordingly, as Jesus washed the disciples' feet, that was an act of mercy. And Matthew 20, 26 says, But whosoever will be great among you, let him be your minister. And whosoever will be chief among you, let him be your servant. Even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister, and to give his life a ransom for many. It is in this view of self, and then ministering to the salvation of others, that there is Christ-like mercy. Philippians 2.3 In lowliness of mind let each esteem the other better than themselves. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God made himself of no reputation, but took upon him the form of a servant. 1 Corinthians 9.22 I made all things unto all men, that I might by all means save some. And Luke 6.36 Be ye therefore merciful, even as your Father is also merciful. Are you merciful? Those that are merciful are not high-minded. They do not consider themselves more deserving or better than others. And they are ready to obtain the next of God's blessings. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. We could also read this, Blessed are those that are pure in mind, for they shall see God. Now, you may have noticed that in each step of Jacob's ladder have been steps in renewing of the mind. It's not in works that we do, or in beliefs, but in renewal of our mind, of our character. As Ephesians 4.22 says, Put off, concerning the former conversation, the old man, which is corrupt, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and put on the new man. 
You see, our natural mind is fungus-ridden. It is mouldy. It is tainted with the leaven of selfishness and pride and hypocrisy and all forms of iniquity. As Jesus said to his disciples, take heed and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and of the Sadducees. How much leaven do you need to put in a loaf of bread? A very small amount. How much arsenic do you need in a drop of water? But that small amount is deadly. And yet we drink the arsenic with the water thinking the water is good for us. Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and of the Sadducees. How much of the fungus of sinfulness do we need in our minds to corrupt all of our thoughts? How much pride do we need? A lot? Just a little. How much selfishness do we need? A lot? Or just a little? God says, 1 Corinthians 5, 7, Purge out therefore the old leaven that ye may be a new lump. Purge your minds from the demons of pride, of selfishness, of covetousness, of vain imaginations, of the love of this world and the things that are in the world, from self-sufficiency, from self-righteousness, from cherished errors, from false doctrines, and from Satan's spacious deceptions. Those that have purged out the old leaven from their minds are those that are pure in heart. 2 Corinthians 10.45 says, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Those who desire and seek it will be as pure in thought as Christ was. Desire of Ages, page 123. The prince of this world cometh, said Jesus, and hath nothing in me. There was in him nothing that responded to the Satan's sophistry. Not even by thought did he yield to temptation. So it may be with us. Purity of thought is the condition to receiving the Holy Spirit without measure. And we wonder why has the latter rain not come? Are we pure in thought? Testimonies, Volume 8, page 334. We can receive of heaven's light only as we are willing to be emptied of self. We can discern the character of God and accept Christ by faith only as we consent to bringing into captivity of every thought to the beings of Christ. To all who do this, the Holy Spirit is given without measure. Have you received the Holy Spirit without measure? Do you understand why? Only those that have brought every thought into captivity and will be prepared to climb the next step on Jacob's ladder. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. What does it mean to be a peacemaker? Story of Jesus, page 62. He who has the meek and lowly spirit of Christ will be a peacemaker. Mount of Blessings, page 28. Christ's followers are sent to the world with the message of peace. Whoever, by the quiet, unconscious influence of a holy life, shall reveal the love of Christ. Whoever, by word or deed, shall lead another to renounce sin and yield his heart to God is a peacemaker. 
and Desire of Ages, page 805. The disciples were to proclaim the gospel of peace and salvation through repentance and the power of the Saviour. It is those that lead others to renounce sin and gain the victory over self by means of repentance through the grace of God that bring peace to men's hearts. True peace. The peace that Christ came to give us. Jesus said that his peace was unlike that of this world. The Zoe of Ages, page 336, there is another spiritual lesson in this miracle of stilling the tempest. Sin has destroyed our peace. While self is unsubdued, we can find no rest. The masterful passions of the heart, no human power can control. We are as helpless here as were the disciples to the quiet raging storm. But he who spoke peace to the billows of Galilee has spoken the word of peace for every soul. His grace that reconciles the soul to God quiets the spirit of human passion. And in his love, the heart is at rest. Peace from the masterful passions of the heart. That is the peace that Christ gives us. There is no peace to those in whom self is constantly striving for the mastery. Only those who through God's power have conquered self, as did Jacob, can have true peace. Only those who understand the peace of God that comes through having gained the victory can lead others to find that same peace in their soul. This is why James says, And the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace of them that make peace. And Daniel 12.3 says, That is those that make peace by turning many to righteousness, that they shall shine as the brightness of the firmament forever and ever. Only those who have climbed so far on Jacob's ladder have attained this peace in their soul. It is the true peace. Only they can be peacemakers. Because they have experienced the work of God in their souls, only they know the way. Only they can lead others to it. Only those that continually recognise their spiritual poverty and mourn over their spiritual condition will experience true repentance, which will lead them to meekly put off self and hunger to be filled with Christ. Only those who long for the victory over every wrong word and action, for purity and holiness in every thought, can attain the peace that passes all understanding. They can say, this is the way, walk ye in it. And they are ready to receive the next blessing. Or should I say, the final blessing. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Those who by experience have power to lead others to obtain peace will be privileged with the final blessing of being made perfect by being a partaker of Christ's suffering. As Hebrews 5.8 says, They who were a son, yet he learnt obedience by the things which he suffered, and being made perfect, he became the author of eternal salvation. But the world hates the peace of Christ 
the peace that comes of being emptied of self that comes by God's gift of true repentance. The prince of this world promises a counterfeit peace to all those who reject the blessings of God that will not climb the ladder. They want peace, but not from self. They want peace for self. They want self to enjoy a long and lasting peaceful reign in their hearts. They don't want to be saved from self, but in self. For every single one of God's blessings that we have looked at, Satan has a counterfeit. Satan promises us peace from the unwelcome convictions of the Holy Spirit. To silence his voice within our heart, to hush our consciences, to convince us that we are safe in our beliefs and works. His false gospel of salvation in self instead of from self is preached everywhere. As you read in Ezekiel 13.9, the prophets that see vanity and that divine lies because they have seduced my people saying, peace, peace, and there was no peace. And Jeremiah 8.11 For they have healed the hurt of the daughter of my people, saying, Peace, peace, when there is no peace. They cry peace and safety to those who feel blessed, claiming to be God's special people. They make God's people to trust in a lie. Satan wants us to remain peacefully asleep as we plummet headfirst into the abyss of hell. They reject Christ's gospel of peace. They do not want to be emptied of self. They do not want to climb Jacob's ladder and share in Christ's life. They want the peace that comes from a seared conscience. One that will never again be troubled by the Holy Spirit. They accuse those that unmask Satan's lies. That expose their delusions by teaching the gospel of peace of robbing them of their assurance, of stealing their counterfeit peace from them. They call them troublers of the people, heretics, ignorant, disturbers of the peace. Accordingly, they seek to destroy God's true peacemakers. 1 Peter 4.12, Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened unto you, but rejoice inasmuch as ye are partakers of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory shall be revealed, ye may be glad also with exceeding joy. Second Timothy 3.12 All that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. Are we suffering persecution? Why is that? Maybe we haven't climbed Jacob's ladder. Maybe we're still stuck on the ground. Blessed are ye, Jesus continued, when men shall revile you and persecute you and say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted they, the prophets which were before you. Just as Esau set out with 400 men to destroy Jacob, those who desire the blessings of this world will persecute those that have received the blessings of God. The reason there is so little persecution today is that God's professed people do not seek after the blessings of God and so have not obtained them, but have in a large part joined with the wicked in seeking the blessings of this world. 
the Beatitudes are the foundation of Christ's character. These blessings are the means by which our nature is transformed into the nature of Christ. It is the ladder that Jacob climbed step by step until God declared of him as a prince hast thou power with God and with men and hast prevailed. The world does not care about what you believe or what you do while your character is in harmony with it in seeking the prosperity of self. Good works of their own will never bring persecution. The Jews flocked to see the good and mighty works of Jesus. It was not for the bread and the fishes that they sought to kill him. They hated his character. It was contrary to and exposed their own proud, self-confident, selfish characters. Any religion that teaches salvation in self and does not demand a profound change of character will never arouse persecution. Accordingly, we have no persecution because we have not Christ's character. We have not obtained his character because we do not earnestly seek to obtain his blessings. Rest assured that as soon as God's blessings are poured out upon his people, as soon as their characters stand out in marked contrast to the world, they will be persecuted as Christ was. Jesus continued, Ye are the lights of the world. Those who have earnestly obtained these blessings are the light of the world. It is not primarily because of what they believe or say or do, but because their characters reflect the character of Christ. He who is the light of the world. Many do not understand his character. They have not studied Christ. They do not understand that unless they become like him in character, irrespective of what their relationship is with him, they cannot share in his glory. They cannot reflect his light. They think that God accepts them as they are, with a few modifications in their beliefs and actions. Thus God's power to transform man is set aside. His blessings are not desired. Spirit prophecy says the Christian life is not a modification or improvement of the old, but a transformation of nature. It is a death to self and sin and new life altogether. This change can only be wrought about by the effectual working of the Holy Spirit. Desire of Ages 172. No modification of the old nature can ever be the light of this world, the salt of the earth, only a complete transformation. Humility must take the place of pride, modesty the place of vanity, self-abasement the place of self-exaltation, self-distrust take the place of self-confidence, contrition take the place of self-righteousness, repentance take the place of self-assurance, brokenness take the place of self-pleasing, Meekness, the place of self-defense. Gentleness, take the place of assertiveness. Peace, take the place of striving of self. Their Beatitudes are a roadmap of the process of our transformation into the character of Christ. They represent the principles of Christ's character, each building one step upon the other. It is the description of the experience of those who are dying to self and sin and obtaining a new life. It is a step-by-step -step guide to obtaining the new heart, the new mind and the new spirit that God has promised to all those who earnestly seek it. Blessed are those that recognise that they are spiritually bankrupt and sigh and cry over their condition. 
earnestly pleading with God until they had obtained true repentance, for only they will enter the kingdom of heaven and be comforted. Blessed are they that through continual repentance have put away self and seek to do the righteous works of Christ and have his meekness, for only they will inherit the earth and be filled with his righteousness. Blessed are they that do not consider themselves better than those who are still in darkness, as they once were, but considering themselves to be chief of sinners, show others the same mercy that they desire to obtain, for they alone will obtain it. Blessed are those that have brought every thought into the captivity of Christ, having emptied themselves, will be given the Holy Spirit without measure, and will see God face to face. Blessed are those that being filled with these blessings have received power to lead others to repentance that they may also obtain the victory over self and obtain the peace of Christ. In doing the works of Christ they are counted as sons and daughters of God and fellow heirs together with Christ. Blessed are they that reflect Christ's character and share in his sufferings and persecution because theirs alone is the kingdom of heaven. Only by pleading with God can these blessings be obtained. Will you seek God's blessing today to be like him in character and inherit the new earth? Or are you satisfied with yourself and the blessings of this world?